You know, we all have moments in our life uh, that change who we are fundamentally. Uh, for me, a few of those moments are days like June 28, 1997, when my dad had his wreck. December of 2000, when I had my cancer diagnosis. March 5th of 2012, when my mom passed. But there have also been times in my life when, when God has moved. And he moved in such a way that it changed my life fundamentally. Um, when I was 16 years old and called into ministry, my life was turned upside down overnight. Overnight, I went from I'm going to make money to I'm probably not going to make money unless I want to be on TV. But, you know, that's not, that was something God was calling me to. And so that changed my life. Um, a phone call from camp. I've talked about it before. God had called me after some <laughs> months away from him doing things I shouldn't do and told me I wanted to be a camp counselor. And I put applications out, never heard back from anybody. And I was just like, when a camp called and said, hey, you want to be our road course leader? I said, sure. It's in Cloud Cop, New Mexico. Of course I want to go to Cloud Cop, New Mexico. <laughs> and I hung up the phone and, you know, God was like, I didn't say ropes course. I said counselor. But God, <laughs> it's May. All the positions are full. I could next year I'll do it your way. If I could, I would. And the phone rang. And it was David Whitelock from Camp Canile who said, we have one position left and it's yours. Was God told us to call you. Back before I went to Howard Payne, I was having a recurring dream. Y'all are going to think I've been a little charismatic Pentecostal, but that's okay. I was having this recurring dream. And it was a dream where I was in a place that I did not know preaching. And, I, and it was the same spot all the time. And I didn't know where the spot was. I thought, you know, my mind was just playing tricks on me. And one day I got in the car with my friends. And we decided we were going to drive from Heron to Brownwood and never take any paved roads, just dirt roads. It took us a long time to get there. Um, and when I walked on campus back then, you didn't have an old main tower. You had the fountain. And when I walked on campus and I saw the fountain, I almost fell over. Because the fountain was the spot in my dreams where I had been preaching. I'd never experienced anything like it. I knew at that moment where I was supposed to be. God moved my life and changed me fundamentally. There was also that return phone call where I hung up on the guy because I got nervous and he called me back and I ended up in a church in Fort Worth with a bunch of youth. But God changes your life. He's changed my life. There are times that God moves in a radical way in our lives that change who we are at our core. Last week we looked at a faith that heals. Thanks, sir. But as I as I thought this week, last week we talked about how others' faith can affect you. I began to ask a different question. When God moves in your life, what is it doing? What changes? What happens? Is your life different? What does Jesus actually change? Well, let me be clear. The answer for this question will affect equally healings, blessings, or even just salvation. 
Because when you come to know Jesus, something should happen. And so we are this morning in the exact same place that we were last week, Luke chapter 5. <laughs> in the same story, we're looking at it at the very end of the story, the men have already carried their friend, put him through the roof to Jesus, and we pick up there in verse 22, right after the scribes have said, who is this man who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins? And it says there, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I'll tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe, and said, we have seen incredible things today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask God that you would take this morning, take this time, and use it for your glory. Father, we thank you for loving us. Father, use me as the vessel this morning. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you this morning for loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake, and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. As I read this second half of the text again this week, I came up with, with three ways that God changes your life whenever... He moves whenever he works. And they're all in one verse, technically, but he, he changes things. And how does he change things? Well, first, God changes your position. Now, what do I mean by your position? Well, God changes the way we see and handle life. For the man, he went from lying down on his back to standing up. His view changed. Before he came to Jesus, someone else had to do for him everything. They took care of him. They had to cook for him. They took care of his daily needs. They probably lived in the house with him. He didn't have a life like we would call a life. He was a shallow person. He was a third-rate individual in that culture. And so God changed his position. He changed the way that he looked at and handled life. Everything he saw, he saw from the level of lying down. You ever think about that? What would that be like? If all you ever got to see was lying down. If all you ever got to see was what was at your level as you lay on the mat on the floor. Because they didn't have beds like we have beds. He was on the floor. He was always down. You know, things change as we grow. <laughs> I remember back the day I started preaching. It's a long time. Forty years ago. I walked into W.J. Turner Elementary School over on Angel Avenue in Fort Worth. And that was the biggest place I had ever seen. That's what I thought. It was huge. You know, back then they didn't... Maybe too much information. Back then, urinals didn't hang halfway up the wall. They took up the whole wall. And for a four-year-old little boy, that was an enormous place. That was something that was different. Something I had never seen. And I thought it was just the biggest place I had ever been. And then I went back one day as an adult. And everything seemed cramped. Everything seemed smaller. The bathroom that I thought was an enormous place where you could put the entire school suddenly seemed like it was the size of an RV bag. It was this little place that you never expected. When God moves, 
Our position should change. We should no longer see our lives and handle things that happen how we used to. For this guy, it was a physical change. For this guy, he was no longer going to live his life lying down helplessly. He was fully healed and upright. Something had changed physically. For us, it may mean that Jesus may change how life comes at you. Before Jesus, every problem might have been a mountain that you couldn't get past. Every problem may have seemed like it was going to bury you. Every problem may have been something that was insurmountable. I can't do this. I can't get past it. There is no way that I am going to overcome this. But after Jesus, that mountain's not as big. After Jesus, we look at it and we can go, wait a minute. My God can take care of any issue. He can take care of any problem. He can move that mountain and put it somewhere else. It doesn't have to be in my way. Before Jesus, we may do everything on our own. <laughs> I used to laugh subbing because I would have these students who were complaining because the teacher left a one-page paper to be written. And I would go, just do the work. You, you, you've got an hour to drop one page. You have an hour to write one page. I could write one page in 10 minutes and have 50 minutes to myself. And they're going, what? And I said, okay. And so in my Dropbox account, I keep every project and paper I ever did in Sunday. <laughs> my last project for Baptist history was 140 pages long. And so I pull that out and say, here it is. But I remember whenever he assigned that at the beginning of class. Because you walk in that first day and he gives you this syllabus and he says, you're going to put together a notebook and it's going to be X amount of pages long and you're going 100, over 100 pages? This is only one class, God. I've got four others. I'm taking two. How am I going to do this? And it took a lot of time on my part to stop and say, okay, God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? What is going to happen? Well, it just so happens that <clears throat> when you're preaching every week, you can use those sermons in your Baptist notebook. God began to give me some truth that I didn't see on my own. I saw a number and I panicked. I saw a number and I went, oh, I can't do that. But God began to work in a way that I would never imagine. You know, I've always said that I don't have the faith to be an atheist. I just don't. I don't know how anybody walks through life with everything that comes at us without having a faith in something. I mean, when you, when you think that what life throws at us is just all that there is, I don't have that kind of faith. Because that's bleak. It takes a lot more faith for me to say, this is going to be bad, than for me to say, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, I know you're in control. I know you can do this. Jesus changes how we handle things. Used to... <clears throat> Used to, sometimes I might still accidentally. When I was in a car and you cut me off, I wanted revenge. <laughs> you cut me off, buddy, I'm gonna cut you off. And then I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna drive 25 miles an hour just to make you mad in a no passing zone so you can't go back. 
then Jesus began working in my life. And began saying, eh, Troy, is it that big of a deal that he cuts you off? Is that big of a deal that they went around you? Is that big of a deal that they're going slow? Are those things really that you need to be mad about? You need to get your event? Is, is there really anything that's that big about? He began to change the way I saw things, the way I did things, the things that I looked at. He changes those things. So God changes your position, but God also changes your power. Now you're going, what? Now I'm not talking about He-Man. I'm not saying He makes you He-Man. You're not going to all of a sudden pop out with muscles and you know, be able to call up your Thundercat and everything else. What I'm saying is, your responsibility changes. By virtue of the grace that we're given, we're required to do more. This man's been lying on the mat, and Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. <clears throat> That's something he hadn't done in a long while, to pick up somebody here. I often wonder, here's my rabbit for the day, what would have happened if the man hadn't picked up his mat? I don't know. But I began to ask that question. Jesus gave him very specific instructions, right? Get up, pick up your mat, and go home. What if he didn't pick it up? I mean, how did the mat get there? The mat got there because others carried him. Others carried the mat. All of a sudden, the responsibility of that mat shifted from those four men who brought him to the man who was lying. Because Jesus worked in his life, his responsibility changed. His power changed. God changes our power. We're given grace, so there's more that we're required to do. It's easy to go through life and say, I love Jesus. That's all I have to do. Right? We know people like that. We may have been people like that, right? I love Jesus. It doesn't matter anything else. I love Jesus, so everything's good and you're right. That'll get you into heaven. That'll get you exactly where you're trying to go if you just believe Jesus. <laughs> but because you love Him, you're asked to do more. You know, marriage is more. When you're dating somebody, you may put on your best clothes and you may shower up real nice because you don't want to stink and you may do all those things and, and go on nice dates. But at the end of the day, you get to go home. And she can stay there, and I have my bed, and it's nice, and she has her bed, and it's somewhere else, and I don't have to worry about any of those other things. But when I said I do, everything changed. Suddenly there's somebody else living in my house who's not, who may not be as clean as you are. Right? Or they may be cleaner than you are. They may be walking around going, why do you put your dirty clothes on the floor? Why don't you do this? But they may be that way. You never know. Marriage requires more. Because of that love, because of that relationship, because that person that says, I do, it means everything's going to change. Everything. It's just the way it works. It's all going to change. It was a quote that says, with great power comes great responsibility. But the same is true here. When grace is given, much more is required. It's not about working your way into heaven. We don't do things because we're trying to work our way into heaven. Well, <clears throat> if I go on this fishing trip, it's one more way for me to get into heaven. 
If I get my tithe, it's one more way for me to get into heaven. That's not what it's about. It's not the fact that because God has showered us with grace, we give him something back. It's, it's, it's giving something away. The quickest way to get someone to act appropriately is praise. When Shiloh was little, he had these blocks. And sometimes he didn't like to put them up. And so we would give rewards when things happened. And remember one day, he, he was probably maybe two before Michael was born. And he walked in and he was like, put a box, could I have a reward there? Sure, buddy. A couple years later, he was playing soccer. And uh, when he wasn't, when he wasn't holding the little girl's hands on the field, um, he would go to practice and he would hit the ball. He would go in and say, good kick, coach. Wanting the coach to give him practice. It's easy to get someone to act appropriately when you praise them. When God showers us with blessings, we want to act in a way that shows our appreciation. We want to say, thank you, Jesus, for doing this. Thank you. How can, how can I act and react appropriately? Because he has shown us grace. He expects more. He expects us to live lives worthy of the calling. Everything he calls you to do will always bring glory to God. I used to tell youth groups, <laughs> make sure whatever you do this weekend, you wouldn't be ashamed of it if Jesus came back and found you doing it. It's good for adults too. If he came in this moment, would I be ashamed or would I be proud? And sometimes, because of the more responsibility, it hurts. Sometimes he, he, he tells you to do something you don't want to do. For me, sometimes it's I have to give up something like a show that I really love watching. There have been several shows throughout my adult life that uh, I just love to watch. And then God will be scratching the back of my head saying, um, is that bringing glory to me? But, well, but God, um, <laughs> if I came back right now, Troy, would you say, Jesus, come watch this with me? God. Sometimes responsibility isn't work that I have to do. It's something that I have to give up and walk away from. That's hard. I, I, don't, I don't want to give up the things that I like. I mean, it's the things that I like. I'm going to get those up. Let me hold on to this. God changes your power. But it also changes your place. He said, go home. You know, we have to move from the place or point of salvation and grow from there. He told the man to go home. The man could have stayed, I guess. He could have stayed. I mean, Jesus was teaching. He could have heard lots of wonderful things, but Jesus said, go. Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and go. You know, it's easy to get stuck at the point of salvation. It's easy to get stuck at that mountaintop experience and say, well, I'm going to stay right here, Jesus. I like this feeling. It's like the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Peter and the boys get up there and they say, Jesus, this is so stinking cool. Let's build some houses and let's stay right here forever. And Jesus says, no, we can't. <laughs> we got to go back down. 
we got to go back down. It's easy to get stuck at that point, but we're called to move on. I run into to pastors all the time who only preach salvation. That's great for an evangelist. It's horrible for a pastor. If you only preach salvation, you never go anywhere. You stay right where you are. You know, as, as much as we love babies, none of us really wants a baby that never grows. Imagine having a baby that never gets past six weeks old. Y'all remember six weeks old? I remember six weeks old. Imagine having a baby like that. You know that baby that's six weeks old who never goes to sleep when you want to go to sleep. Who's always crying. Who's always hungry. You can't keep up. Taking all of your resources. You know, new mothers are not known for being all put together when they go out public. New mothers aren't known for that. They're known for throwing on their sweatpants, throwing something out, or just putting their hair up, because by golly, i got to go to Dollar General today and get some milk, because I can't make it to Cranberry, because this baby won't stay in the car that long without screaming her head off, and I don't want to be with that, so I'm going to run real fast and tell I hope nobody sees me. Right? That, that's what new mothers are usually known for. Nobody wants a baby that never grows. Part of the joy of being a parent is watching that child grow and watching them hit their developmental milestones and watching all this stuff happen. So when Jesus comes into our life, we have to move from that place of healing, from that place of salvation and grow from there. We have to go somewhere else. If we're stuck, if our only testimony is what God saved me out of and not what he's doing in my life today, we're stuck somewhere we don't need to be. Did you know that if we get stuck on just what God saved us out of, there's a, there's a case to be made that I'm giving more glory to what God saved me out of than giving glory to God himself. Because if God truly saved you out of it, that's in the past. It's time to move on. What's he doing today? I, I, I make some people mad because they'll come to me and say, man, you know, 20 years ago, God saved me out of like, okay, what's he doing today? What's going on in your life right now? What's he doing? How's he moving? How's he changing things? What is it? If we're stuck there, we're somewhere we don't need to be. God wants us to move from babies or milk to adults who eat meat. He wants us to go into the deeper theological things. He wants us to go to this book of his, his word, and go, man, I didn't know that was in there. Woo, that's, that changes everything. You know, the funny thing about the Bible is it never stops at salvation. <laughs> somehow along the way in our culture we've gotten this point now where we say you come down the aisle and you say this prayer you're saved and you're good that's not how the Bible works Jesus would say okay you've come to this point you've been saved, you've been healed go and sin no more he sent the disciples they came back, they saw him after he was resurrected and he said go because you're going to be my witnesses they got saved and he said now the work starts he didn't say you get saved and you're done. He said you get saved and now the work starts. Now you've got to start doing what God's called you to do. Now you're going to be my witnesses. When he calls us, it changes our place. We're not supposed to stay there. That's not glorifying God. God doesn't want to just make babies. We can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if we're not eating solid food. You know, I do a lot of reading about the philosophy of kids' chore charts. 
and trying to make it work. <laughs> now they always say, starting at a really young age, you get something simple to do. And as they get older, make it harder. Give them something more they have to deal with. Why? Because it needs to grow in difficulty as the kids grow, because older kids can handle it. And that's why we have to grow as believers. We have to grow to a point that we're useful. You've got to grow to a point that you're useful. You should probably write that down. I, I should have put that in the notes. You've got to grow to that point. Because what happens is, we find ourselves, if we stay as babies, we take up everything, right? That's why new moms are like new moms are, because babies take up everything. You know, you can ask my kids, babies take up everything. All your time, all your energy, everything is taken up with babies. And the same is true for baby Christians. They take up resources. They take up energy. But as they grow, they begin to multiply themselves. They become the hands and feet of Jesus. God moves us from the place of salvation to a new spot where he wants us to be. That's what our goal should be, to follow Jesus in everything that he would want us to do. That should be our goal. Are you ready this morning for the changes that God can bring? Are you ready to let him change your life? Because when he starts to move, it's going to change. We don't like change. We say we don't like change. We, we don't like change that we don't want. We don't mind the change of putting air conditioner in someone who doesn't have air conditioning. We, we wouldn't mind the change of having an extra $500,000 in our bank account. Change is something. We just don't like the change we don't want to have. Are you ready for the changes that God might bring when He begins to move in your life? Maybe He'll change your position. Maybe He'll change the way you look at things. Maybe when you look at the world, it's not, oh my gosh, this is so horrible anymore, but it's, God, what are you going to bring us through this? What are you going to show me now? What are you going to do here? Maybe that's it. Maybe He's going to change your power and give you more responsibility. That might be the scariest point of this whole thing. Because so many of us are like, I don't want anymore, God. Don't give me nothing more to do. I got my hands full, but maybe, maybe God wants to give you more responsibility. Or maybe He wants you to dive deep. Maybe He wants you to go deeper than you've ever gone before. But that's what God will do in your life if you let Him. He will change you. He will change everything that you're going through. Maybe this morning with you. Maybe you're ready to embrace the change. Now's the time. Now's the time to say, Jesus, I am ready to do whatever it is you want me to do. I am here. I am ready. Let me do this. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning, maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, you know what? I have been in church all my life. I have heard about Jesus over and over and over again. But I did not realize He could do so much for me. And I want to know Him today. Now's the time. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised five minutes from now. We are promised this moment. If you don't know Jesus, know Him today. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. 